Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. have your Bibles, I invite you to open them, or your Bible app, whichever you choose, however you choose to get your Bible, go ahead and open them and find your way to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to begin at verse 1 today, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. And this is the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so if you are physically able, I would love it if you would stand in reverence and honor to the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, found in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Hear the Word of the Lord. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them, If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated right there in your home. Well, this last Wednesday, we entered a new season. Uh, No, it it has nothing to do with what happened in Washington, D.C. Wednesday we entered into the season of Epiphany. You have Christmas Day on back on December 25th, and then we have, actually, like the song says, 12 days of Christmas tide or Christmas season, and that landed us to Wednesday, January the 6th, which was Epiphany. Now, traditionally, this is celebrating when the wise men and wise people got to uh, the manger and were able to give those presents of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But it's also associated with light going on. Um, you, whenever you and I have an epiphany, it's like those old cartoons where they're thinking through a problem and they're trying to discern what to do and all of a sudden you know, they draw in that light bulb and the eyes get wide. And it's like, ah, I know what is coming. And so, or I know what to do. This is also a part of Epiphany, that we're celebrating the light of the world coming into the darkness, turning on the light, helping us to see what we need, and more importantly, who we need, which is Jesus. And so I thought, what better way for us to move through the season of Epiphany, which takes us all the way through to Ash Wednesday and February 15th, that's coming up, uh, when we when we have those moments, um, what better thing to do during the season of Epiphany than to jump back into the teaching of Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount? Now we spent a lot of our summertime and right up until Advent 
working on the Sermon on the Mount, we decided we wanted to look at this teaching and, and really let it sink down deep into our souls. That if we truly believe that Jesus is our Savior and our Teacher, and we call ourselves disciples, then we should probably know what He taught. Now, remember, when Jesus chose disciples, when any rabbi in Jesus' day chose disciples, Jesus those or those rabbis chose disciples that He believed could embody His teaching. Not just learn it up here in their head, but could live it out, could embody it, could teach it on to others so that the tradition and the teaching would continue. Now the interesting thing about Jesus, both the disciples He chose and who He gave this teaching to, remember way back in the beginning of chapter 5, it was the crowds. The crowds that were filled with insiders, Jewish folk, and outsiders, non-Jewish folk. Uh, people who were sick and even those who were demon-possessed were the ones that Jesus was giving this teaching to. The ones who were common, everyday folk like you and like me. These are the ones that Jesus calls as disciples and says, listen to my teaching because I believe that you can embody, you can live this out, you can teach this on and keep this tradition, this teaching, the life-giving power of this way of life can be found in your life. And so we went all the way through that and we saw, uh, you know, quite a bit in chapter 5, we saw how Jesus moves through the Beatitudes, this upside down kingdom, and then begins to share how folks are to be salt and light and that they can fulfill the law. The teaching that He has is, is really filling full what the law was beginning to talk about. Then Jesus goes in in chapter 5 and verse 21, and He begins to talk about motivations. First of all, He talks about what needs to be transformed in our lives for our motivations to not do things, to, to refrain from things like murder, adultery, divorce, of oaths, an eye for an eye, or vengeance. And then He begins to shift. And he begins to talk about the motivations, the things that need to change in us that only God can do that will help us to participate in the ways of the kingdom that Jesus is living out before them and teaching them through this Sermon on the Mount. Things like loving our enemies. I think one of the greatest things maybe the church could do in these next 14 days is to sit down every day and remind ourselves of Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 48 to love our enemies. And then we jump into our passage. Jesus is talking about those motivations to do those things. And He picks up on three things that would have been very common in Jewish life. That there were three things that the law would call us to do, aside from all the prohibitions. There were things that we were supposed, that they were supposed to do, a good Jew would do. And those things we'll look out over the next three weeks. And that was giving alms, praying, 
and fasting. And so we're going to begin to look into those things as, our, as we make our way through this teaching during Epiphany. Today, we begin to look at giving. And so Jesus says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before people in order to be seen by them. He's like, that's the, the motivation that needs to be a part of your life. That we're going to be participating in these, but our motivation is not to do them in front of people so that we can get a reward. And then he goes on to talk about giving to the needy. Now, if there was one place where this particular translation, which is the New International Version, I I understand what they're getting at, but I, I feel like really in all sincerity, that word needy in our day and age does no longer connotates really folks who are poor. And and the word, the Greek word that is used there really is saying, when you give, and it is a connotation that you're giving to the poor, but when we think of needy, we kind of think of those, oh, gimme, 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 stuff like that. And the, the real root word that is that is a part here, elemosinane. It is the Greek word elemosinane. You want to say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Elemosenane. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Elemosenane. That word is giving, and it is giving in the connotation to the poor. In fact, the NRSV translation says, when you give alms, alms were something that you gave to those who were destitute, who could not earn a living, who were poor. I think that better translates than just in our day in our day and age I think it better translates than just giving to the needy. He says when you give alms, when you give to the poor, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street to be honored by people. Now, in the studies that I did, I could not find anything where in the synagogue something was happening here. In fact, most scholars say this was probably hyperbolic language, that Jesus was trying to draw attention to some of the ways that people give. So you would go and you would give your offering in this big, large box. And so, you know, if you were wealthy, you could have it brought in with, you know, your servants or whoever, and, you, and they would place it in. I did read one, one story that it was common in Middle Eastern areas where water was not quite as plentiful that sometimes people would carry some kind of container of water. And if you were thirsty, you could pay and you could get what you needed. And sometimes wealthy people would buy the whole container of water and say, give a drink to those anyone who are in need. But then they would stand next to the person who would cry out, come and get your water for Someone has benefited you and people would gather around and come to get water and the person would stand there and say, I have blessed you. Bless me because I have paid for this. Jesus says that's not the motivation of the kingdom teaching. In fact, if that's your motivation, then once you're done, once the water runs out, your reward is done. You might feel good about yourself for a day or so, But after that, it is done. So what is the motivation? What type of giving 
should be a part of the kingdom. The truth is, if you and I are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our Teacher, our giving is really expected. That's true. If if Jesus is our Teacher and our Savior and our Lord, our giving is expected. I mean, look at verse 2 and verse 3. It doesn't say, but if you give. It says, what? When you give. So there is an expectation. Jesus is not saying, oh, in my kingdom, you don't have to give. Just do away with the whole thing altogether. No, there is still an expectation of giving. Jesus is saying, this is the kingdom life that we are called to and and we are expected to to give. Can I just say as a pastor, preaching about the expectation of giving is one of the most difficult things that I do. Why is that? Well, one, because in all honesty, it feels a little self-serving. I mean, what people give to the church and online or whether they mail something in, some of that goes to support my family. Now, if you're just joining us and you don't know what you know our denominational structure looks like, I want you to know that it's not like if you give an incredible amount of offering that Pastor Jeff and Pastor Kyle or and Deidre are going to you know take a Bahama vacation or something. Our salaries are deter- predetermined. Part of what you give goes to fund those salaries. So that's one reason why preaching on giving as an expectation is a little difficult. Another reason that it's a little difficult is because in our day and age and in our society in particular, we do not like to be told what to do with our money. Whether it's somebody in Washington, D.C. or somebody standing behind a pulpit, we do not like to be told what to do with our money. That makes it difficult. And yet Jesus says, when you That there is an expectation that if He is our Lord and Savior, He gets to tell us what we do with our money. And one of the things He says is that it is expected that we would give. There's no such thing as a non-giving Christian. Why is that? Because we are saying if we are a Christian, that we are seeking to model the giving God who so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who modeled the generosity of God in His life, in His death, in His resurrection, and in His willingness to pour out the Spirit upon us. So you call yourself a Christian. If I call myself a Christian, we are called To be a giving people. But that's not the only thing. It kind of piggybacks on modeling what God looks like in our world. If we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our Teacher, then our giving is to be embodied. It's to be embodied. It's not just expected, but it is to be embodied in the very DNA of who we see ourselves to be. 
Jesus says in verse 3, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I always, I always kind of smile when I read this passage because I think of those, have you ever seen those, those skits or something like that where one person is doing the speaking and the talking and they provide the body and they put their arms like this, but somebody else puts their hands through the underarms and, and they're kind of moving their hands kind of willy-nilly, you know, as the person is talking. And sometimes it's very funny. I thought about having Jackson do that for me today, but I thought it might distract you. But Jesus is saying, what is Jesus saying with this don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing? He's saying that that giving nature should be so embodied in the DNA of who we are as Christians that it just flows out of us naturally. That we see the poor. We see a need. And if we can help meet that need, it's almost like, whoo, before this other hand even has a chance to do anything, to draw it back or to, to, to slap it. And no, it's just, it's just given out because this is who we are. This is a part of who we are called to be. And we have received, as Jesus would teach His disciples, freely we have received, freely we are called to give. It should be in the DNA. It shouldn't just be expected. It should be embodied. Something else that I found interesting as I was studying about the left hand and the right hand and that saying, that in some parts of of Judaism, there was this understanding in, in the symbolism of right hand and left hand. That the right hand was the hand that gives blessing. The right hand is the hand that forgives. The right hand is the hand that that uh, that lifts up, that helps, that sees someone downtrodden and and helps up, blesses them and gives to them. The left hand is symbolic of justice and weighing the balance. Could it be that Jesus was saying also in this, in some ways, that our giving as as followers of Jesus, our Lord and our Teacher, our giving is not just to be expected, it's not just to be embodied, but it is to be driven by empathy. That before our hand of justice can determine whether they deserve our help, our right hand of blessing and forgiving and helping should be already in action before this one even comes into play. That it's just so a part of who we are that it just begins. We don't determine the worthiness of the person. We give because we have been given so much. It, our giving is driven by empathy, not duty. Remember, empathy is not feeling sorry for someone. Remember, empathy is as best we can seeing them in their situation and then kind of getting into our into their shoes as much as we can and feeling their feelings comes from that greek word empathos n the the getting in and pathos feeling feeling their feelings i read a good example of this in in a book on leadership that i that i'm starting to read and they were talking about teddy roosevelt not Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, his uncle, I believe, who was president of this country a long time ago. And 
Teddy as a young politician. His particular party believed if someone owned property, they should be able to do what they want on their property. No questions asked. The government should step back. But he had a friend who said, I want you to walk with me through one of the tenant buildings in our city. And he was, this friend was wanting to put past a legislation that made it illegal to cure, dry, and roll cigars in those tenant housings. Teddy said, I didn't want to go because my belief was, hey, whoever owns that building should be able to do whatever they want in that building. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't worry about it. But he knew this person and he said, I wanted to go with him. And he went in and there he saw and he recalled one family of five adults and several children in one room. And that room was filled to capacity under the bed, around the bed. He said it was even getting into the food with tobacco that was being cured and dried. And these adults and some of the children were being forced to work up to 16 hours a day rolling tobacco. And because the tobacco was getting in their food and around what they were breathing, they were getting sick and nauseous a little bit. But they still had to go on just to live in that small apartment surrounded by tobacco. And Teddy Roosevelt, even years later, talked about remembering what it smelled, the smell of tobacco in that room. Of seeing young kids sick and kind of palish green from all the fumes and vapors. And he was the first of his party to sign on. Because he had gone and he had seen and he had felt what they were feeling and he began to say, this is not right. And before his left hand of what's supposed to happen could get involved, he was already with his right hand signing on the dotted line. That this should not happen. This is empathy. This is the kind that means that you and I and our giving that is expected when we give and is to be embodied in our very lives. It means when it's driven by empathy and not duty, it means we actually have to go where there are people who are poor. And we are called to give. And sometimes that will be finances, yes. Sometimes it will be food. Sometimes it will be conversations. Sometimes it will be service. Sometimes it will be... But folks, you and I are called. There is no such thing as a non-giving Christian. We are called to give. We are expected. It is to be embodied. And it is to be driven by empathy, not duty. As you pause for just a moment and reflect on your own life of giving, are you, like I was, convicted while reading this? Is there some part of you that says, ah, I don't know that my giving matches up to that? Is there part of you that says, well, Pastor Jeff, honestly, I'm, I'm one of those people. I don't like to be told what to do with my money. Even when it's read from Scripture. I'm not so sure that it's embodied in the way I give. I, 
I give with strings attached. Or I give expecting something in return. I'm not sure that that empathy is what drives me. Sometimes it's just, oh, just let me give to that guy so he'll go away. If that's you, then I have good news for you. Because Jesus talks about transformation, has been talking about transformation of our hearts and of our motivations. And so I want you to know that this kind of giving, if we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, who is our Lord and our Teacher, our giving must also be empowered. It's not just something we can work ourselves up into. It's not just something that we can say, oh, I'm going to do better today. Uh, it is something that must be empowered through the Holy Spirit. It is something that when that Spirit comes in, begins to produce in us the kind of giving nature all the way down into the soul of our DNA, begins to produce that in us and begins to let it flow out into our world. And the motivation becomes like the last verse. That our giving is in secret so that our Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now there are some who have twisted this Scripture. Say, oh, you give and then God will give back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, full and running over and all that stuff. That is, that is, that is not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that to embody the giving of the kingdom and to let empathy be the driving factor is the reward. Because you are living the life that God created human beings to live all the way back in the very beginning of Genesis. We were called to take care of one another. We were called to give. We were called to raise up. We were not called to judge and weigh in the balance. So brothers and sisters, as we enter more deeply into this season of Epiphany, or if you're not into Epiphany and you just want to make it a New Year's resolution, is today the day that you pray and ask God to send the Holy Spirit into this area of your life. So that your giving becomes something that you expect you're called to do. So that your giving is embodied down at the core of who you are and it's driven by empathy and love. And that you know is and you are, you know, and you're awed by the fact that you know it is empowered by the Holy Spirit within you. The good news is, the aha moment is, that that empowering can happen right now, today, in this moment, right where you are sitting, no matter where you are. And so I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want us to begin this closing prayer with a moment of silence to evaluate how is my heart around giving? 
Am I okay with it being expected? Is giving embodied in the DNA of who I am? Is my giving driven by empathy? Seeing the need and meeting it? Or do I think it's duty and I weigh in the balance whether I want to give or not? If there was any part of you that says, boy, I need work in this area, then I assure you today you can be empowered through the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, giver of life, life eternal, life in the present that is full and filled. You promised that You would give Your Holy Spirit to comfort us and to convict us Send Your Spirit now to gently convict us, those of us who call ourselves Your disciples. Send Your Spirit in to move into the space of our soul and at the smallest part, all the way down to the cellular level, Set loose in us a spirit of generosity. A generosity that is driven by empathy. Where our eyes see as the eyes of Jesus saw so long ago. Where our ears hear the cries of those who are poor and in need. Where our hearts are broken for what breaks your heart. where we have the strength and the guts to move forward in Your power to give and to help and to encourage and to forgive. May it be said of us as disciples of Jesus at Cross Community Church, may it be said of us there is a generous people. Why are they so generous? And may it open up opportunities for us to share the hope that we have in Jesus. For it's in Your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray and we ask all of these things. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand wherever you are and receive this final blessing? Fancy word for it is benediction. Would you receive this blessing? And now... May you, wherever you are in the world, have the light bulb come on. May the light be shown into your giving habits and patterns. May you hear the clear teaching of Jesus that says, as a Christian, you are expected to give. May you 
have an increased desire to see that giving embodied in your life and your lifestyle. May you begin to experience that hope of giving, being driven by empathy as you see your world through new eyes. And may you receive daily the Holy Spirit as power to live generously with whoever you come in contact with. I pray this in the name of the generous Father who sent the generous Son to give us the generous Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for taking time. Where Whatever day this is for you that you're watching, thank you for taking time to be with us today. I pray God's blessing upon you as you go. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And may God bless you throughout this week. We'll see you here next week. Same time. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.